0: For some time. Uh, most of this year, we have had a group of individuals meeting together at least once a month, and we have been trying to get River Bend in focus, trying to look at the different components of who we are, where we are, and where we believe God desires for us to go forward. So there's been a group of 10 to 12 um, individuals from um, our body to help in that task. And this morning, I want to kind of begin a journey. This journey will take a number of weeks, I do believe. Um, But um, I want us to see one of those components. And um, on the screens behind me, I'm going to kind of walk through all four of these. You see this picture frame that is there and, and in this picture frame trying to get us into focus, bring us into focus, we need to understand um, a number of items. One of those is a missional mandate. why we are um, the church and what the church, I.e., what River Bend is to be about, but not only the uh, missional mandate, we see a second component that uh, comes up, and we see that as a body of believers, there are some core values that don't change. They are who we are at our core, at our essence, so to speak. That is who we are, and we'll see some of those core values um, over these weeks. So we have a missional mandate, we have core values, a third of the components that we will look at are our measurables, what, what's it look like when we do things right ministry-wise? And then finally, how can we see those, and those are our strategies that are there, the strategies of how we're going to do ministry. Um, and so over these weeks, we'll be talking about those, but this morning, kind of as an intro to these items, we need to figure out why we're here. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and I'm going to read for us the first two verses and that's where we will spend our time this morning in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. Here's what Paul states. Romans chapter 12 verse 1, I appeal to you therefore brothers... I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, everything that occurs in life But Father, everything that occurs at this address, Lord, is to be done in worship. Everything that we do in life is to be worship. And it is worship in one form or another, worshiping something or someone, it is worship. But Father, as a, as a church this morning, as River Bend Church, a part of your body, your bride, God, everything that we do at this site, at this moment, Lord, I pray that it will be pleasing to you. God, you are the focus of our worship. And if we are not pleasing you, we have failed. So God, I pray that you would continue to meet with us as we continue to worship. As we look at passages of your word. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I do not tell you this story because my wife is not here, although it might be easier for me to tell it that she is not here she will confess that she is not a good gift giver. Just recently, I turned 44. In the last uh, few days, I turned 44. I know I don't look it, I look 20, but um, just kidding. And um, as the days were leading up to my birthday, she said, what do you want for your birthday? And I said this, don't worry, I'll buy my own present." Now, you laugh because maybe you think there is some angst or some tension when that statement is made at your house. That is already passed at our house. Because in previous years, I've asked her, what do you think you would get me for my birthday? Or what do you think you would get me for Christmas? The two times that she would buy something for me. That's where tension comes. When she told me those things that she was going to get, because it really its it's, it's, it's not a big thing for her. That is not her love language that she could care less what I get her after all the thought that I put in to think, all right, she would actually use this. This would be absolutely perfect for this setting, for this time. That's why I'm going to give this gift. She's like, Brian likes blue. Let's get him something blue, you know? And I was like, Paige, I love you. It's fine. There's no problems. Why don't you do this? For my birthday, here's what I want. Will you please make me some what I call lumpy potatoes because my grandmother made them and nobody else makes them outside of her mom her mom and my grandmother, so I said, why don't you call your mom, get the recipe, and let's try it. And She said, okay, that's my gift. And I went and bought what I wanted for my birthday. And everybody was happy. It was, it was great. Great meal, great present. Let's bring it to Romans chapter 12 now. You and I are to be a present to God. Our worship, our lives are to be a present to God. The question for us today is this. <clears throat> does it matter what you want to give God as worship or does it matter what God wants from you as worship? Because you and I might find ourselves like my Great, awesome if y'all are going to tell her the first part of the story y'all got to tell her the whole story my great awesome bride when she says Brian likes blue I'm just going to buy him something blue or do we need to understand what God expects, what he desires and what he wants from us as an act of worship Paul writing to The church in Rome has spent 11 chapters, and I know today we are jumping right into chapter 12, but if you've been with us for the last three or four years, we've hit chapters 1 through 3, we've hit chapters 4 through 8, and also 9 through 11, and we are coming to this point after those segments, understanding here is what God expects worship. The first point this morning is this, the importance of worship is laid out. The importance is laid out in front of us. And Paul, even though we're jumping right in, he's already laid out 11 chapters of doctrine. 11 chapters of doctrine. In chapters 1 through 3, he puts a stamp on this absolute doctrine that you and I are sinners and you and I have fallen short of God's glory. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 states that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then in chapters 4 through 8, he states this, that God loves us and he gave us Jesus. Even in the midst of our sin, even when we were enemies against him, in Romans chapter 5, verse number 8, Paul writes to remind those in Rome and to remind us today that God demonstrated his love toward us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then in Romans chapters 9 through 11, he talks about this that God is sovereign and he is in control of all things. Even when you and I don't understand the, the hard issues of life, those that perplex us, and we're like, how in the world can this all, all this twist or all this tension, how can it work out? You and I need to understand. And Paul wrote to those at Rome to say, We need to understand that God is in control. And in that shift from doctrine to application, as often Paul does, the close of one chapter to the beginning of another, he records these words. Maybe you haven't spent much time in Romans chapter 11 lately, and so let me just share with you the importance that is being laid out as he closes the doctrine section of the book and opens the application section. If you have a copy of God's Word, look back into Romans chapter 11. We're going to see a song. I'm not going to sing it. You're welcome. But I'm going to read the song that Paul writes, this doxology to close out this section and open a section of application. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 states this, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Let that sink in. Oh, the depth of the riches. Oh, the depth. Of the wisdom. Oh, the depth of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him. And to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I don't know if you caught it. But in verse number 35, there was a gift spoken of. The question. The question that you and I might think of what do we get somebody that has everything? What do we get somebody who can go get whatever they want? That is, in essence, what we ask or what we think of when we ask that question. But here is the question What do you get the one person who has everything? Through him, to him, and in him are all things. From, through, and to him are all things. To him be glory. So what do you get God who has everything? If you're going to bring this gift to him, what do you bring? And Paul says, uh, I'm glad you asked that question. Let me tell you what you bring. You bring Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. As he lays out the importance, he moves then to verse 1 of chapter 12. And I wrote this point down that the essence of Romans chapter 12 verse 1, it seems weird. And let me read it for us and let's talk about the weirdness of Romans chapter 12 verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, I appeal to you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The essence seems weird because of those two words that are placed side by side, living sacrifice. What's a sacrifice? If you look in the Old Testament, you look in Leviticus... Deuteronomy, there as the law is being shared with God's people, here's what a sacrifice is. You did something wrong to hold back God's wrath to come down on top of your head. You bring a offering a sacrifice and say, hey God, I'm placing my hand on this animal and this animal is taking my place. The blood that is being spilled is taking my place because I understand not that it's just this animal or the blood from this animal, but one day you're going to send a Messiah. And I'm asking that you would hold back your wrath that is supposed to come on me because of my lie. Because of my action, because of my thought against you, that you would hold back your wrath and put it on the Messiah. And I believe that one day he's coming. But until then, would you hold your wrath back and the animal is sacrificed? But when an animal is sacrificed, what happens to the animal? The animal dies. But Paul doesn't say, hey, you bring your bodies as a dead sacrifice. No, he says, you bring your bodies, Brian Tillman. You bring your bodies, River Bend. You, sir, you, man, bring your bodies as a living sacrifice. Kenneth Wiest wrote in his book this as a definition or an understanding of what a living sacrifice is. How can the body become a sacrifice? Uh, Let the eye look on no evil, and it's a sacrifice. Let the tongue utter nothing base, and it's a sacrifice. Let the hand work no sin, and it's a sacrifice. Wholly consumed by fire. He goes on and he says, but more, this suffices not. But besides, we must actively, catch this, actively exert ourselves for good the hand-giving alms, the mouth blessing them that curse us, the ear ever at leisure for listening to God. When you and I apply this passage, this verse to our lives to say, here's what I'm going to bring you, Lord, as worship. You bring your whole self. And you place your whole self on the altar. Tim Keller, writing about this, stated this. This is an offering of gratitude and praise. So first of all, when we say you are are living a life of a living sacrifice, it does not mean you're atoning for your sin or procuring God's favor. Secondly, the Christian life is unlike those Old Testament sacrifices because the Old Testament sacrifices, they were over. When you offered your sacrifice, when you brought your animal, your grain, or whatever you brought, once you offered it, it was over. He closes it out with these two sentences. A living sacrifice is never over, is it? Or as some pastor I heard once said, the trouble of a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. Can I get an amen? The issue with you and the issue with me on Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and any other day that ends in Y is this. You and I get off the altar. You get off the altar, I get off the altar, and I say, you know what, that's enough. I want to do what Brian wants to do. So, God, there's your worship for today. There's your worship for this moment. And I'm going to get about my life. And God says, if you are bringing me a sacrifice of worship and praise, it must be on my terms. And that means, Brian, you got to get back on the altar. Sir, that means you got to get back on the altar. What does it mean to to be a living sacrifice? It means that you and all your rights that you think you have, and all the rights that I think I have, And all the wants and the desires and the things that I say, hey, this is going to happen, that are on my calendar. I got to say, Lord, they're on the altar. Because you're God, you're King, I've bowed the knee, I've confessed with my mouth that you're my Savior, my Lord, and I am in your service. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Paul writes in this verse that he is urging them, he is appealing to them, he is encouraging them, asking them, not by his stature as an apostle, not by his command of saying, hey, I'm an I'm a, uh, elder brother of yours, so therefore you've got to listen to me. No, he says, um, Rome And Riverbend, I'm asking you this by the mercies of God. In Romans chapter 10, Paul records and says, it's the kindness of God that leads us to salvation. It's not him up there with his finger about to zap you uh, like with a lightning bolt. It's not him up there that is saying you've got to do this but no it's it's him saying you know what my kindness toward you today is leading you to salvation. My kindness toward you yesterday, today, my kindness toward you tomorrow because of my long-suffering, the example that I have portrayed to you in the past, the example that I'm portraying to you right now, they have been steadfast, they have been steady, there's been no shifting or turning. The same example is going to be extended, continued tomorrow. And it's that kindness that is shown in front of you and me That is to lead us to salvation. And Paul says, by those mercies that God has given you today, afresh and new, would you please present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We in the U.S., namely, we in the so-called Bible Belt. When we say the term worship, more than likely something comes to each and every one of our minds. We think of music. And not only do we think of music, but we think of styles of music. You know, the style of music that you like. It was a good service today because they played the song that I liked and I was able to worship. And then if they did play the song that you liked and you were able to worship, most of us would say, that worship was the first half of the service. And what you are doing right now is listening to somebody on their soapbox so that he would hurry up and finish so that you can go have roast beef for lunch. But actually what is happening right now is we are in the midst of worship even as you and I look at this passage and it matters not On your end, if you got to sing the song that you like, or if I got to sing the song that I like, but what did God desire us to sing? What did did He desire for us and from us this morning as we sang about who He is and all that He has done, and as we Open his word to hear his word to you, to me, to us. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. A sacrifice that is holy, it's set apart for a particular purpose. And a sacrifice that is acceptable not to the body of River Riverbend, not to the individual who is seated in the black chairs or the one who is standing right here on the platform, but it, that is acceptable to God. So that, I stated in my prayer, and I've stated previously from the platform in prayers, that we have one audience. Not just A singular audience, but we have an audience of one. Every time that we come into this place to worship, sing, hear, we have one audience. His name is God. Every moment that you are in your car and you're listening to K-Love or you're in your car and you're listening to this podcast, you're in in your car and you're listening to those songs or you're singing in the shower or you're living life, no matter what you're doing, there is an audience of one that you and I are to be worshiping. And his name is God. His name is your Savior, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, one that is holy and acceptable to God. And that is, which is your spiritual worship. So maybe it does seem weird that you are to be a living sacrifice. But it is the reason that you are here right now the reason that He is allowing you to expand your lungs and contract your lungs, to breathe, to walk, to live, is to be that sacrifice to Him. So what does it look like? Third and final truth or point this morning comes in verse number two. He appeals talks about this living sacrifice, and then he says this in verse number 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Comma. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, testing. You may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let me bring out two or three words from that verse. Do not be conformed to this world. What does it mean to be conformed to something? Maybe you would say that it means to be consumed by something. Maybe it means that you you would describe it this way, that you would look like something, that you would be filled with something, and that something that Paul is saying for you and for me not to look like, not to be consumed with, not to, to be filled with, is this world. Do not be conformed To this world. Don't look like it. Don't be full of it. Don't be consumed by it. But be transformed. There's a new individual that is uh, residing at our house. And uh, this individual is a seven year old little boy. And here's what he loves before he goes to bed every night, he wants to watch Transformers. To be woken up in the morning, he wants to watch Transformers. I know more now about Optimus Prime, Bumblebee, Blur, Rescue Bot, Transformer, this, that, or the other. I know more about them now than I ever have because that's all I hear from a different room multiple times a day. You're like, you're you're a terrible parent. One example right there. But here's what I know. That word transform means there is a change. And those rescue bots and transformers change from robots to different vehicles to perform a task. And there has to be a change. But be transformed. Where is the change happening? By the renewal of your mind. The change is happening on the inside of you. The change is to be happening on the inside of me. That's where the change occurs. That's where it's first seen. That's where it first happens. But the change is inside out. And those transformers and the transformation of your mind there that he speaks of, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How do you renew your mind? He says... By testing. What you and I like to do, I won't put you in the boat. What I like to do is just kind of put it in neutral and say, hey, yep, I know what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. I know what John three sixteen says. I know what multiple other Bible verses says, says. Jesus loves me and he wants everybody to know him. It's in there. It's one of those verses. But he said, Brian, I want you to be transformed. And how I am transforming you is that your mind is being renewed. So, how do I renew my mind? I must not only know John three sixteen and 1 John one nine and Romans three twenty three, but I've got to understand who He is. I've got to understand verses like Romans chapter eleven verse thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments? How inscrutable His ways? For From him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Chew on that, Brian. Renew your mind by being in his word, Brian. And the change that happens inside of me will be seen on the outside. So that by testing, river bend you and I may discern what is the will of God. Maybe today you're you find yourself in a fog and you're like, I I really just don't know what he wants me to do. I I, I don't know if he wants me to go left, I don't know if he wants me to go right, If if he wants me to back up, if he wants me to move forward. He said, Here's how you and I will know by testing. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. So, how do you test? How do you test? How how do we test as as individuals? How do we test as, as a body? I believe one way that you and I test is this. Okay, Lord, I know that you have stated that your mercies are new every morning. But God, I'm I'm in a fog. I I have not heard from you. It it has been dry. Every time that I open this, this book up, it's black ink on a white page and it means absolutely nothing. I cannot remember the last time that there seemed to be life jumping off that page because there once was. And it's just not happening right now. When those times happen in my life, not if those times, but when those times happen, the first thing that I go read is a gospel. I go read about what Jesus did. As he walked this earth, as there was flesh on his bones, and the words that came out of his mouth when situations came up that just stopped him in his tracks, he had an agenda, he had this, this plan for the day, and then somebody just tugged on the, on the bottom of his garment, the hem of his garment, and said, whoa, well, let's stop. Somebody touch me. And it changed. You're like, what changed? The situation changed. In that moment, the woman changed. And everybody around saw the change. And I just go and I read a a passage, a story, a day in the life of Christ and say, Lord, you are the same that you were then as you are right now. You are working. God, show me that. I am so thankful That he has given us 66 books so that someone like me and someone like you can respond back to him in worship. Brian, I've done that. I've read the Gospels. Still seems like there's a fog. I believe the man was Vance Abner. Vance Abner was a, uh, a pastor and an evangelist of yesteryear. And I believe that he was asked one time a very similar question. And he said this, Sir, it's not all those things that you don't know about God that are going to cause fear And trembling when you stand before him. It's all those things that you knew that you should have been doing. It's all those things that you have read in the past that you aren't doing now. That when you stand before him, that is what's going to cause you. The sweaty palms. Sweat on the forehead and saying, how in the world... Am I going to stand before Almighty God? Meaning this. You and I find ourselves sometimes in a fog, not knowing which direction to go, and that's life. So what do you do? You do what you know He has already said that you are to do. You're to love neighbors as yourself. You're to share his story with those that you come in contact with. You are to follow him in love, not out of, hey, I'm checking this point off and that point off so that I can get my checklist done. But because you are in a relationship with him, you've accepted him as Savior and Lord of your life. You are obeying what he says to do. And that is worship. That's worship today. That's worship on a Monday afternoon when the boss comes in and asks you to do something that is kind of great. Eh, kind of cutting this corner or that corner. That is worship for every single one of us. Are there going to be times when you don't know? Yeah. There will be. But he says, why don't you trust me? And why don't you do those things that you know that you're supposed to do? And then when it's not there, there's fog. He says, why don't you test it? Why don't you go left a step? Not necessarily 15, 20 miles down the left turn, but take that step. Why don't you turn right and just say, all right, Lord, is this where you want me to go? Okay, it's not. Well, okay, let's do a U-turn. You want me to move forward? Okay, I'll move forward. How fast? Not 972,000 miles an hour. Okay. Test. You may discern what is the will of God. And that will of God is good. That will of God is acceptable. Acceptable to whom? To him, and that will of God is perfect. River Bend Paul appeals to you, brothers, brothers and sisters. He appeals to us by the mercies of God that you and I would present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to, acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. He appeals to us that we would not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, and that by testing, you and I may discern what is the will of God, what is good acceptable, and perfect. Heavenly Father, Lord, here's my desire and my appeal for this body. God, that we would see in those areas of our lives where we have conformed to this world. Father, we would see, it would be clear that we would see in those attitudes and those actions where we have bought in and we are the world. And God, in those moments and in those items, Lord, that we would not find any peace, not find any fun, not find any rest because we, we're living a lie because you have called us not to be conformed to this world but to be transformed. We're transformed by the, from the inside out, Lord. God, may that be. In those places, may you give grace. May you give enjoyment to this body that we might even more lay our bodies on the altar as living sacrifices. Sir, the the invitation is for you this morning that you would understand that you are to be a living sacrifice. Ma'am, the invitation is for you because you're... More than likely, find yourself at times like I found myself getting up off the altar. And He's calling you and He's calling me back to the altar to lay down and die to self. River Bend, the the invitation, the response is open for you this morning. Maybe you need to come to the altar and kneel pray. Maybe you need to stay right in your seat this morning and pray. Maybe you need to stand and sing. Maybe it's the first time that you're going to open your mouth and actually sing words in weeks because that is worship. But He is calling every single one of us to bring that gift and present it to Him. The one who is worthy to accept it. So why don't you worship, and why don't you respond? Heavenly Father, would you move? Thank you for this passage. Thank you for others like it. God, penetrate my heart and our lives right now and draw us close to you. I ask it in Christ's name. You stand and respond.